This is episode 523 of the Leaving Laodicea broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. When we look at all the chaotic situation in our world today, we have a tendency to see these crises as isolated events, but they're not. They are all interconnected with each other and point to an end game clearly revealed in Scripture. I mean, think about it, whether it's inflation or cancel culture or a compromised media, quantitative easing, the COVID mandates and passports, Antifa, BLM, January 6th, Russia and Ukraine, China and Taiwan, transgenderism, deplatforming, the Freedom Convoys, bioweapons lab. I mean, almost anything you can think of or a million different variants. Each of these point to an agenda or an end goal that we can only see when we group these things together. It's much like a giant chess game, with each event part of a grand strategy designed to gain position for the coming world leader and global governance. Surprised? (laughs) Don't be. Jesus told us all these things in advance so that we wouldn't be deceived. So join us today as we attempt to uncover the thread that runs through all this uncertain chaos that fills our airwaves 24-7 as we discover from Scripture what we can expect next on the prophetic timeline as we learn how to leave Laodicea behind. Very seldom on Sunday do you hear a message that begins with this, the greatest sport. All of you, I'm sure, have uh, sports that uh, you enjoy. Uh, I do too. I want to go ahead and go through a couple of these with you, and you'll understand why in just a few minutes. Of course, probably the most popular sport in the United States is football. Team sport, everybody has a position. You had a head coach calling all the shots worth billions and billions of dollars today. And, you know, again, it's a very popular sport. Second in that, at least in my opinion, is basketball. Not professional basketball, but uh, college basketball. This is from last year, the uh, NCAA tournament. We all like these team sports. Sometimes uh, we have a team sport called soccer. Then these people have the audacity to call what they do football. You know, I don't know how you play soccer. I'm not even interested in it. How can you play a game where you can't touch the ball with your hands? But anyway, it's very popular overseas. When I was growing up, nobody ever played soccer. Then it kind of infiltrated into the young kids because there's no equipment pretty much involved. And that's pretty popular today, too. And then, of course, there's those people who don't like team sports. Instead, they want individual sports like golf. Golf isn't against you and your opponent. Golf is against you and the course, you and the, you and the ball, you um, doing the best you can, getting the lowest score you can while you're out there. I particularly like sports where you have two evenly matched people and they come together like in the same weight class and trained and they sit there and they just duke it out. When I was growing up, boxing was, uh, was the rage. There was you know, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and then all the other fighters that came after them. I know I'm dating myself here. So, you know, I, I enjoy this kind of sports where the two guys come out and when it's, when it's over, there's only one standing. Now, of course, it's this MMA, uh, UFC kind of thing where instead of just using their fist, they can use legs and head and all that kind of stuff. And if that's interesting, it's in a steel cage. It lasts a lot less, a uh, lot shorter than uh, boxing. But nevertheless, it's, uh, you know, two people coming together and seeing who's going to be the best. The problem is, with all of these sports that um, you can't participate unless you have some sort of physical giftedness. Can't really be a basketball player if you're 4'8". You know, unless you can run fast, unless you can jump high, you can't really participate in these sports, which to me doesn't make them the greatest sport. This is the greatest sport. Recognize it? It's chess. It's chess. It's amazing. Sports. It's an amazing game. You have two people, it doesn't matter. One guy could be in a wheelchair. Doesn't matter. They sit down on this playing field, they sit down on this board, and each person knows what each piece can do. One person moves first, the other person moves second. They alternate moves, and it's this mental game where you try to checkmate your opponent by thinking two, three, four, five, six, and some of the pros at this, many more moves ahead. It teaches problem solving and 
and critical thinking, and it, it, it makes you mentally sharp. And, and when you're sitting there, it's, it's the ultimate test. I'm sitting here and you're sitting here. We're going to play a game that doesn't mean who's stronger physically. We're going to play a game that means who's stronger mentally. And so you sit down, you play this game, you have a winner, you have a loser. It's, it's incredible. Pieces move and take time. And when you play professional um, or in tournaments, you have a timer so you can't take forever thinking about the pieces. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. I grew up playing chess. As a matter of fact, my most cherished book as a child was this one. It's a book that just deals with chess openings. And this is a page in the middle of the book here. This is the Sicilian defense. The uh, Richter Rouser attack variation number two. And basically, they've gone through and they've thought about every possible combination that you can make on a chessboard for the opening gambit. Back then, they would give you these little schematas like this to show you the first couple moves that you would make. Immediately, you would recognize the attack your opponent has. You would apply a certain defense, and it lays it all out logically. The, um, now, they don't really have books like that that much. You can get all the information online. This is exactly what I just showed you currently with some online software. And chess is incredible, incredible. When you play chess, it basically has three acts. It's called the, it's called the opening gambit, which is the opening set of moves that are pretty much predetermined. In other words, you know what you're going to do. You're going to try this particular offense, a queen's gambit, a Sicilian defense, or something of that nature, and you make a move, and they counter, and then based on their counter, you have a choice of what you're going to do. You move this way, and they move this way, and you get about eight or ten moves into the game where all of a sudden you move beyond the gambit, and you move into what's called the middle game. And the middle game of chess is just for position. That's all you're looking for, position. You're trying to trap their there are pieces on the outside of the board. You're trying to focus on those first, on those center four squares. You're thinking ahead what they're going to do if you do this. And if they do this based on what you're going to do, you move forward. And you move all the pieces in position. You make strategic changes and exchanges until you get to what's called the end game. And the end game is when you move in for the kill. You move in for the checkmate that what you've done is you started with the gambit that you've chosen ahead of time. You've moved yourself into positions. You've got all the key pieces exactly where you want them. You see that seven moves ahead that you're going to be able to checkmate this person, and you then move in for the end game. To me, it, what's, what's makes chess so amazing is that it's a perfect analogy of what's happening in our world right now, what's happening... Um, in uh, the political sphere, what's happening according to the prophecies that we have in Scripture. It's really simple. God has already told us what the end game is. In case you didn't know, there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period. During that seven-year tribulation period, that seven-year tribulation period will inaugurate when the Antichrist, who will probably not at that time have world dominion, but he will represent a ten-nation confederation made up of European nations and some Muslim nations, and he will guarantee Israel's safety for seven years. This is according to Daniel. When they sign that peace treaty, the tribulation begins. It's divided up into two sections, the first half and the last half. It is the most documented period of time in all of the Bible, especially the last three and a half years. It's called 42 months, three and a half years, time, times, and half times. It's called 1260 days. It's deals when that last half of the tribulation is when Christ basically judges the world and comes back at the end of that to set up his millennial reign. We know the end game. We know that. We also know what the opening gambit is going to look like. We also know what the moves are going to be made in order to move towards that particular point in time. We'll find this usurper, this man of lawlessness that the Bible talks about, will we'll be exposed. We'll find chaos and destruction. We will find deception, number one, according to uh, Matthew chapter 24, will be paramount. We'll find this great apostasy that takes place. We understand that. Got the opening gambit. We know the end game. What we don't know is that we're living in the middle section of this chess game, this massive chess game, where the key people involved in this, the key powers, power of Satan, and of course the Holy Spirit who lives in us, is fighting for position. 
And you need to understand every event that comes our way, every new thing that happens, every crisis has to be filtered through this grand chess game that God is moving his pieces in a position. Satan is moving his pieces in a position to move forward towards the end game. And most of the church is totally unaware of that. Most of the church just responds, oh, we got this problem. Let's deal with that problem. Oh, it's another problem and another problem. And when are they going to end? And they don't see how they're all chained together to point to a particular crescendo when, um, when Christ is going to return. Now, we know on the prophetic calendar, and I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes, the next thing that's going to happen is the rapture. Do you know how many signs there are in Scripture of the rapture, pointing to the rapture coming, that we can look and see that the day is close? None. Absolutely none. There are tons of signs that talk about the tribulation period, that talk about the abomination of desolation, that talk about the return of Jesus Christ, the millennial reign, tons of those signs, but none for the rapture. And it's almost like, if you think about it during the holiday season, that uh, we have tons of signs that Christmas is coming. Do we not? All of a sudden, we start hearing Christmas music on the radio. Oh, I guess it's that time of year. We go into Walmart, and you know, they're selling little Santa Clauses and stuff rather than you know, Halloween kind of stuff. And we just all of a sudden see these Christmas sales and Christmas movies on Hallmark, which are always the same, just in a different setting. And if there's a dog and it snows in the end, a couple gets together. You ever notice that? But, you know, we know that Christmas is coming. Do you know there are no signs for Thanksgiving? None. But what we do know is that when we start seeing the signs for Christmas, Thanksgiving's not that far off. Because Thanksgiving comes before Christmas. When we start seeing the signs of the return of Christ, then we can know the rapture's not far off. But what, what happens prior to the rapture? In other words, how bad do things actually have to get? How many of these chess pieces have to be put together until we wake up and realize that we're, we're blessed enough to be living, believe it or not, in the end times? The end times. So what's the outline for the end game? Well, according to Scripture, chaos and deception. Chaos and deception. We find that in Matthew 24. We're going to read some of that later on. Matthew 24, they're asking Jesus, the disciples are, you know, when is the temple going to be destroyed? When is going to be the, the sign of the coming of your age? And he lays all of it out. And the first thing he says over and over again is do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Talks about false Christ and false prophets and wars and rumors of wars and terrible things are going to take place, but don't be deceived. And what he did say about this intensity is he said that these things will come together not as isolated events, but they'll be chained together to point in a particular direction, just like labor pains on a woman who's about to give birth. She has this pain. She wasn't pregnant. She would go, oh, I wonder what that was. But now that she knows she's pregnant, she feels this labor pain. And then all of a sudden, there's another one and another one, and they're separated by 20 minutes, and now they're 15 minutes, and now they're more intense, and they're, they're, they're eight or nine minutes, and they, they start getting... Uh, quicker and they start getting harder. We know, we know just by the, the intensity of the labor pains and them being put together one on top of another that an event is about to take place. Look what the Lord says in Matthew 24 as they asked him. First thing, take heed that no one deceives you. Deception. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and turmoil and, and terrible things that seem to be happening. And, and we all know about them and they're increasing in intensity, increasing in number. But all these things must come to pass first. But the end is not yet. Well, how bad will it get? Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. These are just the beginning of sorrows. That's how the New King James translates it. Some of your other Bibles will translate it, birth pains. These are the beginning of those. Oh, so it hasn't even begun yet. I mean, this is 
This is just leading up to the tribulation period, leading up with those chess pieces put to, being put together in such a case that the world will be so traumatized by the rapture of the church that they're willing to give all their sovereignty to a single man who can't be a Christian and a Muslim and a Jew and a Buddhist at the same time and an atheist. So this one person, whether to put all that stuff aside, how bad do things have to be for the world to be willing to do that? Later on, in the same discourse, Jesus said this, so you also, when you see all these things, one after another, after another, after another, not as isolated events, but as part of this chess game, part of this positioning where Satan and the Lord are moving to this crescendo. When you see all of these things, know that it is near, his return is near, right at the door. Right at the door. So what is the end game? Where, where are we going? Again, chaos and destruction and increasing intensity. We see that from Matthew 24. And find out the next event that's going to take place, of course, will be the rapture of the church and the inevitable fallout that takes place. I don't know if you've thought much about that, but a billion people are all of a sudden vanished at this particular point in time. I mean, it would shut down national economies. It would cause massive depression. It would just the physical chaos from some cars that are unmanned and maybe pilots that are flying planes. I mean, who knows all the stuff that can happen. You have events that take place in heaven and then we have events that take place on earth. Up in heaven, we have the rapture of the church. We have the bemacy judgment, marriage supper of the lamb. On earth, there are other events that are taking place. And so we're gonna talk about how we can prepare spiritually by just looking at these pieces. And then maybe later on when you... Um, when you have a desire, we will talk more about how to prepare physically for some of the things that are naturally coming our way. What's coming on the horizon is a seven-year tribulation period. This is a period of time when uh, Satan has full reign on earth. What is holding him back right now, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, is you. It's not really you, it's the Holy Spirit living in you. The passage in uh, 2 Thessalonians talks about the fact that, that the church will be taken away because the restrainer, the Holy Spirit, is restraining this man of lawlessness from having a full reign. And all of a sudden, when the church is raptured, then everything just heads downhill fast. And it heads downhill fast based on deception. We have the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period, uh, some events that lead up to that, chaos that has to take place, people just afraid and looking for a savior. And so this man comes up and proclaims himself to be the savior. The seven years is divided up into two sections. You, you know this, three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days, time, times, and half times. We, we have the first, like chapters four through Seven, talk about this in the book of Revelation. There are things that happen during that time um, that are just cataclysmic. We have this midpoint in the tribulation. This is when the temple has been rebuilt in Jerusalem. This is when Satan uh, in the person of the Antichrist comes and sits on the Bema seat in the Holy of Holies and demands to be worshiped as God. Daniel talked about this. And Jesus talked about this. When you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, Matthew 24, run. If you're a Jew and you're a believer at that time, run as fast as you can because after this abomination of desolation, at the midpoint, we have the second half of the tribulation period. The difference between the two is in the first half, man suffers the wrath of man. And in the second half, man suffers the wrath of God. Horrific things take place during that time because God is purging the world at that time. He's preparing it to come back and take over. It ends, of course, with this, they call it the Battle of Armageddon. It's really not because all the armies of the world are in Jerusalem on the plain of Megiddo and they're getting ready to have this fight with the Lord and all he does is this. And it's done by the breath of his mouth. And then we usher into this, um, we usher in the, um, the millennial reign of Christ. I have a three-page proposed outline of the end times here. 
that I'm going to give you before you leave. I, uh, I think I passed this out way back in 2017, but uh, it kind of lays all of it out for you in the scripture verses that you could look at yourself. I'm not really interested in going through that in detail today because I want to talk more about this middle game that Satan has right now that um, is moving his pieces into position to be able to, well, in his way of thinking, control the world. So if you look at our chaotic world situation right now, what you're going to realize is that uh, uh, it did, things are just crazy. we got a war over here, we got this going over here, and that's happening here, and this is happening in Canada, and something's happening down here. There's all this junk going on in Australia, New Zealand. You know, China's getting ready to invade Taiwan, and, 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 and Iran is developing nuclear weapons, and we have this. And, and if you look at those as isolated events, it looks like the people governing our nations are just buffoons, and they may be. But there's a, there's a channel here, there's a picture here, there's a connection where all these things are pointing to an end-time crescendo. They're all pointing to an end-time goal. And the goal is found in Revelation chapter 13. So if you would, uh, let's read some of this together. This is the goal of what's happening on earth right now. This is when the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet are revealed, and this is what they want to do. We begin in uh, chapter 13, verse number one. So then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his ten horns were, ter and on his horns were ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. This is the Antichrist rising up from a ten-country confederation. Now the beast which I saw was like, just like, a leopard, his feet were like that of a bear. His mouth was like the mouth of a lion. And uh, you want to find out what all those things mean. You can go back and look in Daniel, and it kind of lays it all out for you. Not what we're going to talk about today. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. This is Satan. Satan gave the Antichrist his power, his throne, and great authority. Then I saw one of the heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and this deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast, who obviously survived some sort of assassination attempt. So they, the people of the world, again, as you're reading Revelation, you have those, those who reside in heaven and those who reside on earth. The ones who reside in heaven are the saved, the ones who reside in earth are the lost. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months, three and a half years, this last half of the tribulation period. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacles, and those who dwell in heaven, the believers at that time. And it was granted to make more war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Till the fact that all who dwell on the earth, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then that cryptic phrase we see in Scripture. If anyone has an ear, let him hear he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. This is the false prophet. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in sight of men. And he deceives, remember that deception, those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and now lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many who would not worship the image of the beast be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast 
or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, his number is 666. The end goal of this is that the Satan, through the Antichrist, will have dominion and control over every single thing anybody does on earth, even to the point they can't buy or sell unless they sell allegiance, their soul, to him. The image of the beast is not a barcode. It's not a vaccine passport. It is the allegiance to Satan. It is the number of a man. And the number is 666. Okay. So everything that's going on in the world right now, we need to keep the end game in sight. And I want you to just think about, think about the events that have taken place over the last 20 or 30 years. And look at how quickly this is moving, this crescendo of what's happening. Justice and I were talking about um, uh, what we need to do to teach the teenagers. Um, and he, he was talking about, well, when, I, when you taught the youth group, this is what we did. And I said, yeah, but kids have changed. That was 10 years ago. Wasn't it 10 years ago? 10 years ago. Look what's changed in the last 10 years. 10 years ago, we had um, homosexuality was accepted, but we didn't have gay marriage. We certainly didn't have it promoted like it is right now. You were still male and female, although maybe you weren't attracted to a male, attracted to a female. Now you're binary. Now you have this Antifa and Black Lives Matter, and you've got all this crazy stuff that is going on. You have cancel culture. I mean, what's happened in the last 10 years, we, wouldn't even, we couldn't even imagine 10 years ago that, that our nation, our culture would have fallen this far but it has. And so I want you to look at just some of the events that have uh, taken place. When I was growing up, they always talked about this new world order that was coming. Uh, we find it in many of the writings. George Bush talked about the new world order that somehow working behind the scenes, there were these political power brokers, these elites from various countries that wanted to get together and do away with national sovereignty, do away with countries, do away with borders. Instead, what they wanted to do is to bring everybody in under a one world government where they would sit in control. That's exactly what Satan wants. That's exactly what the Antichrist is going to do. The nations that stood against that were the nations like ours because we're a sovereign nation, a proud bunch of people. So what we need to do is somehow destroy America. We have to open up the borders. We have to make America think bad about themselves. It's no longer a proud nation where we salute our flags. Instead, we kneel every time the, the national anthem is, is played. And, and that, of course, somehow will devalue our nation to the point that will easily be assimilated into this one world order or this new world system. The powers to be are talking about this great reset. Well, what do you mean? Well, it's gotten to a point now that we need some sort of cataclysmic event to take place that we can basically just reset everything. Maybe hyperinflation, maybe a new currency, maybe world war, just maybe some pandemic that we can reset this. And if you look at their literature, they're just waiting for that opportunity to take place. That's not an isolated event. That's something that was planned so long ago. My opinion in my lifetime Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump were the uh, best presidents we ever had. Ronald Reagan was a two-term president. Donald Trump should have been a two-term president, but uh, you know, had to fight for everything that he got. And Ronald Reagan was an actor first and then became a politician. I started looking at all the presidents other than Eisenhower, who was a general. Started looking at every president that we've had. Every president that we've had other than Donald Trump was a, uh, was a politician. They're a classic politician. I was a senator, I was a representative, I'm a senator, I'm a governor, and now I'm a president. And if you look at it, almost every one of the presidents that we've ever had, Bush one, Clinton, Bush two, Obama, they all belong to the Trilateral com Commission. They all belong to these secret societies. You have to almost sell, sell your soul to some sort of system in order to get elected. Because if you don't agree with what they have, then all of a sudden you don't get the funding, they don't back you with the PACs, you don't get elected at all. And then comes this Trump guy. The thing that made Trump different is he was not a politician. He's never served as a politician. 
He all, he's a businessman, and he stood up and said, I'm not part of your club. I don't go to any of your meetings. I don't have the secret handshake. I don't believe in the same things you believe in. Instead, I just want to govern the nation. I just want to make America great again. I don't care about all the political intrigue or the positioning of chess pieces trying to push towards this one world government. I just want America to be great again. And my personal opinion, he did a fantastic job. And they hated him. They hated him. I mean, they they couldn't stand what he did. And so the need was for the government and the culture and even foreign nations is it got to get rid of Trump at all costs. So they weaponized the government against him. They weaponized the FBI. I mean, it was scandalous, some of the things they did. The media was compromised. The DOJ, the IRS, the CIA. Now we find out that they were spying on him as president. I mean, nobody's accountable. Nobody pays a price for that. How can Americans who have jobs to support America, how can they do this to one of their own? He's not one of their own because their allegiance is not to America. Their allegiance is to this system, this positioning of chess pieces. We're moving America away from dominance. We're moving America to the point that we can assimilate her into the, um, into the world system. And therefore, it's all by design. Why do you think we have open borders? I mean, we're sending our troops to Ukraine to protect their borders but we have open borders because it's not about a nation anymore. A nation with no borders is not a nation. But it's not just an isolated event. It's all part of this game that they have to move us towards what they believe is their end game, which is world dominance. The one thing that keeps this from happening, that has kept stuff like this from happening to government with corrupt officials in the history of America has been the media. The media reports on this. The media always does what's right. The the media is going to find out corruption. They're going to expose it. We can always trust the media. And you trust them now? They've been compromised. They're biased. They refuse to report on things. They don't go along with the chess game. And then when they do report on things, they have to. There's always a slant and there's always a twist. It gets to the point where they don't even care that the nation doesn't believe they tell the truth anymore because they have a higher calling. And that higher calling is part of this system, this satanic system that's leading us to the return of Christ. How in the world can you cancel somebody? I mean, when I was growing up, or even 25 years ago, if you cancel somebody and they happen to be black, you were a racist. Know what I mean? But you can cancel people. You can deplatform people. You can deplatform a sitting president of the United States, and nobody cares. The media doesn't. The media applauds that. You have a Twitter account and a Facebook account. I would cancel those. Instagram, I would get off that stuff because you're supporting financially an entity that is against what you stand for. People that you and I follow, people that you and I agree with, as soon as they post something, it goes against the prevailing message of this agenda that they have. They get canceled and deplatformed, and we don't want to hear your voices anymore. You don't have the freedom to say anything other than what we tell you to say. It's not an isolated event. It all fits in this incredible picture. We have BLM and Antifa. They burn down cities. They cause a ton of damage. The political entities at that time, you know, where you can have this part of the city and, and, you know, just do what you want in there, but don't come out of that. What about those store owners in that area? They're not arrested. They're not charged. They can do anything that they want because that's okay. We're destroying America. But then you've got this trucker convoy. A bunch of people in Canada say, hey, you know, we want these mandates taken away, or the whole January 6th debacle that took place. There are people still in jail for what happened in January 6th who haven't even had a trial yet. And there are people that have gone into a political candidate's office, this happened in Tennessee, and shot at him four times and spent one day in jail because he was bailed out uh, because we don't want to keep people in jail anymore. Except if you're part of the trucker convoy, except if you're part of January 6th, except if you're for national sovereignty rather than 
what's being pushed now. Can you see? It's, it's not just an individual DA who's doing this. It's part of an agenda. So what we need is some crisis. We need to come up with some crisis. So how about this one? We'll come up with COVID. Not that it wasn't a real disease, but because we, got, we talked about how terrible COVID was, do you realize that COVID hardly ever hit the uh, Amish community? Do you know why? They don't have TVs. You know, we were absolutely overwhelmed with COVID. You know, we can't go out. They told us they can't do this. We can't meet for church. We have to wear masks. We have to do two masks, three masks. Dr. Fauci, please tell us what to do. Well, we're going to put mandates on everybody. This is such a deadly disease. And if you'll study it, you'll find out that if you were hit by a car, brought into the hospital, getting ready to die from those injuries, and you had COVID, then you died of COVID. Not of the fact that you died of, you know, your car injuries, because they always wanted to inflate the numbers. And, and that the stuff is getting out about all the just evil deception about that to try to lock down our nation. Well, here's what we discovered. Americans will give up their civil rights for fear, for fear. If we make them afraid, they'll do anything. You can't have a job unless you get a jab. You can't fly on a plane unless you get a jab. You can't do anything unless you get a jab. So what are we doing? Well, we're going to have these vaccine passports. We're setting up the system, setting up the protocols that Satan will use through the Antichrist to rule the world. And it's another chess piece. It's another piece putting in to position. Well, give us another crisis. All right. How about the thing in Canada? I mean, a bunch of truckers come in there. They have a peaceful, um, they have a, uh, a peaceful demonstration. I mean, it was loud because they're all honking their horns. That's their crime. Eh, eh, honking their horns and, and having a good time. And they came in with like stormtroopers beat these people down, arrested the leaders, and denied them bail. Denied them bail. They could have shot somebody and been out on bail, but you don't get bail if, uh, if you're now a political prisoner because what you're doing is inciting Americans and Canadians to not follow the way this chess game is going, this end piece. They're all connected together. <sighs> Biden wanted this war in Russia more than anything. Gets his mind off all the stuff going on here. And so now we have this Russia and Ukraine deal. There's so much involved in that that I really won't take the time to go through it now. But you need to do some research other than Fox News and, you know, stuff of that nature and see exactly what's going on. It is shocking and it fits perfectly for another crisis. What's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, and the next day? It's just one crisis after another and another and another to move us in to the direction that the end times are heading. Who's the enemy from all this? Well, you are. You are. You people that hold on to these Christian values. Hillary Clinton called conservatives Bible thumpers like us deplorables. It's you. It's you. You don't bow to uh, uh, police brutality. You actually believe in back to blue. You think that America needs to be a great nation. You're somebody who actually wants our government to follow laws. And so therefore, the persecution has to come against you. You have to be eliminated, and it's coming, and it's here. If you ever get arrested, you'll have the book thrown at you, but somebody who broke into your house and stole everything will be immediately released because of this no-bail kind of deal by these woke DAs, and there's all this injustice going on, but it's not just in America. This injustice is going on worldwide. Why? Well, our world is a really messed up place. Absolutely, but there's a reason for that. And the reason is we're being full pushed down this funnel of this chess game and this middle game preparing the way for the Antichrist. Can't you see the end game emerging? I certainly can. If you like social media, go on something like Gab. You know, it's, it's uh, like a Facebook made up of... Uh, Strong Christians and strong patriots. You want to get your news, get a lot of news from there. Shocking some of the things that you'll see that the news media either lies about or won't ever report. And keep the end game in sight. Now that we're all depressed, um, let, me, uh, let me tell you what the next event is on God's calendar. And it's really simple. It's the rapture of the church. The problem is, we don't know what life will be like prior to the rapture. In America, here's what we say. I lost my job. 
and I only have one car, and I only have black and white TV. Lord Jesus, take me. I can't deal with this anymore. You have to understand that people in other countries have suffered immensely for their faith, and Christ hasn't redeemed them or raptured them out. We don't know how bad things are going to get in, uh, in our world right now, but um, um, probably much worse than it is right now, especially if you'll take this sheet and you'll see how all this stuff fits together. I won't take the time to look at this. I suggest you do it at home. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12 talks about the uh, emergence of the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, and he doesn't come to the forefront until the church is actually removed. But you have to understand that before the rapture, there has to be a time of chaos. There has to be a time of deception like the world has never known. And most important, most important, the tribulation period begins when the Antichrist brokers and guarantees a seven-year peace treaty with Israel against Israel's enemies. Well, I thought we're the ones that guaranteed that peace treaty. No, we're not even in the picture anymore. Somehow we have to be devalued as a nation that we either politically by choice or economically by just circumstances are unable to protect Israel anymore as a, as a nation. And therefore they're on their own. And so therefore they have to make this peace treaty with the Antichrist, which means it doesn't bode well for the United States in the period leading up to the tribulation period when Israel signs that peace treaty. I don't know how much time elapses from the rapture of the church until the beginning of the tribulation period. I hope it's not long, but nevertheless, you need to understand that things are probably not going to get rosy. The Antichrist assumes the role as the guarantee of Israel's safety, and then all of a sudden Russia and some of the Turkey and some of the other nations and the Gog and Magog war, decide to come down and invade Israel. You'll see that in scripture, and I've listed it on your sheet. God will intervene, God will defeat them, but it's a terrible situation that takes place. Terrible. So what we're beginning to do, what we will begin to do is experience the birth pains of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We will not experience full full-fledged what they talk about, but we'll be leading up to that like contractions. And I want to, I'll just close by showing these with you, and then we'll look at Matthew 24. White horse will have false Christ and deceptions like you can't believe, which is something that's happening now. After that follows the red horse, conflict and war worldwide, almost never stopping. We have the black horse, which is famine, scarcity, inflation, possibly even hyperinflation. It talks about the fact that it takes a day's wages just to be able to pay for enough food to feed one man for one day. But then it says, don't touch the wine and the other things. So there's going to be a class system here with the rich have everything and the rest of us are starving. Then we have the pale horse, which is illness and widespread death. And we're beginning to experience and will experience the birth pains leading up to this. And it's just the world in which we live. And Jesus said it would happen. So I want you to turn to Matthew 24. I'm going to read some of this to you. And then we're going to go ahead and I'll make one or two more comments and then we'll close. Matthew 24. This tells us how we should live. This tells us what we should do. This tells us whether we should worry about these things or not. But it tells us that if, if things are moving then we need to be prepared spiritually. Matthew uh, 24 says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up showing him the building of the temple and Jesus made a comment about the temple. Do you not see all these things? I surely say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall, shall not be thrown down. That was fulfilled in AD 70 when Titus Vespasian came and destroyed Israel and sent them into the dysphoria. And the greatest sign of uh, we're living in the end times is the fact that after 2,000 years, Israel came back as a nation. That's never happened to any nation in the history of the earth except Israel. It's been attacked six times by overwhelming forces, many nations at one time, and stood strong every single time. It is the centerpiece of all world conflict. Verse 3, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came up to him privately. 
saying, tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And then Jesus gave them this teaching. Jesus said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. But don't worry, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning of birth pains, the beginning of sorrows. I mean, it's gonna get worse before I set everything straight. How worse? Verse nine, then they will deliver you to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Good news. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Then is a time stamp. Therefore, conclusion. When you see the abomination of desolation, center point of the tribulation period, spoken off of by the prophet, of Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, then let those who are in the Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. And let him who is the field not go back and gather his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babes in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Why? For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. Understand, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ now, you will not experience this. If you're not a believer now, and there's a very good, then you will if you're alive at that time. This happens during the tribulation period. The true church will be raptured out. But nevertheless, what it's saying here, we will experience the birth pains of that. And how bad would it be, verse 22, and unless those days were short, no flesh would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christ and prophets will arise and show great signs and wonder to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And then Jesus said, see, I have told you beforehand. So verse 29 talks about what it's going to be like when Jesus comes, that uh, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And it talks about the coming of the Son of Man. Gives us a hint of when that could possibly happen in verse 32 through 35. And then he says this, no one knows the hour, verse 36. Not even the angels in heaven, but my Father. So as it was in the day of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. So what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live knowing these days are upon us? Verse 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not expect. So how am I to respond? Verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant who his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his house. The idea is this, that we know that the Lord is coming soon. And I know that for many of you, you may dread that. I don't know why. Do you realize that we are the generation that will see the return of Christ, I believe. And if that is true, then we're the blessed of all people. I don't know if he's coming this year, next year, five years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now. We don't know. But we're told to be ready. We do know that we're seeing all the signs of Christmas. And if we're seeing all the signs of Christmas, of his return, we know Thanksgiving's right around the corner. And Thanksgiving will get here before Christmas, even though there's no sign for the rapture of the church. It is not the time to be haphazard about your spiritual life because life 
is going to change. Life is changing with all the rules and mandates and terrible things that are going on. I mean, I'll stop with this, but when in Canada, when these truck drivers came and began to um, uh, harass Trudeau with their honking of the horn and stuff of that nature, they passed what's called an emergency act. Do you know what that involves? There's an emergency act. The government says you have no more rights anymore. We are going to freeze your checking accounts. And they did. As a matter of fact, we're even going to freeze your accounts for people who even donated to your cause. We're going to take your trucks. We're going to do, do away with your license. You're not going to have insurance, license, job. We're going to put you out on the street, take your job, and make you homeless for protesting against what they wanted you to protest. Who gave people these rights? With the flip of a switch, up in Canada, all life changed. And so people like you and me said, you know what? If they're going to do that to them, they're probably going to do it to us. So I'm going to start pulling all my money out of the bank. And there was a run on the Canadian banks. As a matter of fact, seven regions had what they call outages, online outages for banks. And what it means, they ran out of cash. And so the Canadian government got kind of afraid. So they immediately reinstated everybody's rights and we're going to unfreeze your checking account. But what they showed us is what they're willing to do and can do, not only in Canada, but in the United States. It's putting the chess pieces together to control so you can't buy or sell when somebody throws a switch and says you don't have a social credit rating high enough to do that like they do in China. It is here. It's here. They're not isolated events. They're all moving towards a crescendo. So understanding that, I can't emphasize enough to work on your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to make sure that you leave nothing behind when it comes to serving him. We still have families to feed. We still have businesses to run. We still have stuff we have to take care of, but we have to change the reason why we do that. Not for me and my life and my want and the influence that I have, but I'm doing it for him. And whatever you give me, Lord, now belongs to you. And I want to share it for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and take serious the life that he's given us because we are moving into, we're, we're moving, in my opinion, we're moving out of the middle game because the pieces are pretty much set now and moving into the end game, which um, Christ totally controls. And we need to be ready spiritually. Amen? Let me pray.